Well, good morning and welcome once again. And uh, I told you last week that I had kind of a different direction I was going to go into and didn't quite make it there. So we're going to move into that and um, we're going to probably cover it over the next little bit because there's um, some we really, really get into some some details. You know, we have so much that we just expect people to understand and all of our different understandings is at different levels and that. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we expect people just as we say, you know, believe to do this, to pray, and people are just supposed to just take and accept that. Well, the problem is that they have not had God working their life. They've not allowed him to work, and they haven't seen these things. They haven't recognized what God can do, who he is, who Jesus is, what he has done. And we have to show these in practical applications, and that's what I want to work towards is laying down some strong, practical foundation so we can see that, yes, this is God. This is who he is, and this is what we need to do. Put some, some fact behind it. Put some truth behind it. Because God is truth. His word is truth. And um, to, let's, to start out with that today, we've talked about the, the armor of God. And I've mentioned that many, many times. And... Uh, as I've reflected back, I've never really, you know, really explained deeply what that is. There's so many different ways that the world can seep in, and we're going to look at how this can happen, how it can happen gradually, and how these things can happen. And um, let's just look at, uh, in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, about the armor of God. In Ephesians 6 and 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In all his power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, yet that you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins guard with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet slop of preferences and the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherever thou shalt quench thy fiery darts of the wicked, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, and the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching therein with the provisions of supplication of all saints. And for me, the utterance that may be given unto me, I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am the ambassador of the bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And let's just have a word of prayer as we stop right there. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, for your word today, Father, for your message you have for us. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Father, to take myself out of the way and let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. The armor of God. And, um, you know, in previous lessons, we've talked about how we get bombarded with the same things over and over again and becomes embedded into us. We consider that the norm, especially if we take in consideration that is coming from a source that we consider we should trust. You know, um, if... 
you listen to me on a regular basis and I begin to say the same thing over and over again, like have faith, I'm hoping that's something that's going to stick with you, that's going to become part of you because you have enough uh, faith in my ability to keep listening to me week after week and we keep giving this as a presentation that it'll start bonding with you. But, you know, we, uh, we see this in the world. This is the way humans work. We have what they call product placement. You know, we see our, our favorite TV show or our favorite movie, and they're using a certain item. They make sure that they showcase that logo. Because when we see that our favorite star drinks Pepsi... We want to drink Pepsi, too. When we see that a certain celebrity uses a certain device of the telephone, we want to use that device, too, because we want to be like them. We like who they are. We want to model ourselves more like they do. And this has been, been no secret. Harley Davidson was on the verge of bankruptcy at one point till this show came out that showcased the motorcycle lifestyle and showcased their brand as the primary unit that was part of the show. And because of that, that show single-handedly brought them out of that financial slump and they are still alive and well today, unscathed product placement. Same thing, every time there's a new Fast and the Furious movie, the Dodge dealers seem to have a run on Dodge Chargers. They sell out. And we've all experienced that. We, uh, we have that, that thing where, you know, we, we see something that, and we think, well, I, I can do that too. I can do that too. I can be part of that. So we want to incorporate that into our lives. We want to, to share into that, to try to be part of that process. You know, when you leave that movie theater, you, you, you drive a little faster, you're a little more amped up. Because that's the way the world affects us. And the world is slowly but continually pumping things into us when I say the world, this is the world that is controlled by Satan, that man turned over to him. This is the world that is fallen, that is sinful. This is the world that is against God and everything he stands for. And by default, he is against us because we are sons and daughters of God and Satan and his world and his demons and everything that represents him does not like us. Because we are the creations of God. Now this world that I'm talking about, it's injecting things into us. And it's not the good things. We don't secretly get God pushed into us. We get God pushed away from us because Satan wants that to happen. He wants to crush our faith. He wants to crush there are image of who God is. He wants to crush that love. He wants to crush that spirit. He wants to take everything that God has made that is good and distort it 
so he can have his purpose. So we have different things that seem harmless, but yet even the most simplest things in abundance can be dangerous. You know, um, oftentimes we, we use something and we don't even realize there's a danger till years down the road. Formaldehyde used to be a common thing they would use in certain dyes. They would make flower arrangements, certain materials. Uh, and the people that work with it oftentimes would get green fingertips. Their nails would change colors. And then eventually they became sick. And then they died. And uh, there was the same thing. There was a uh, hat companies, and there was a certain chemical they used in the process of making hats, and it would cause problems with the brain. It's where we got the term mad hatters because these people would literally start to experience psychosis from being around this chemical for certain amounts of time. We know now that asbestos, that Small exposures won't show nothing, but over years and years and years of being around it can cause cancers and lung problems. And that's what's so scary today about all these new vaccinations and stuff that's coming out because we only know what they'll do right now. We haven't seen yet what's going to happen months and years down the road when time has a, tank, a chance to take place. You know, all these things, when you see these things on for the lawsuits, it's always about, did you experience this in the 90s, in the 80s, in the 70s? Because it's taken this long to have an effect of these things surface. And this is very much how Satan works in the world. He just injects a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. You know, if you took just a little bit of poison, you might get a little bit of sick, but it's probably not going to kill you. But if you took it every single day, eventually it's going to take you out. It's going to kill you because your body can only withstand so much poison. And that's how when things come into us, we, you know, we take a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and we just kind of accept it and it becomes part of us and it becomes builds and builds and builds up until we believe it to be a truth. First Timothy six and ten. I'm sure many of us has heard this and heard it in some form or another. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And money is a good universal term because money can be anything. Anything you desire can be purchased with money, whether it be an item, a service. Money oftentimes is what we need to rise to fame, to rise to power. 
it is definitely a source. It is a, a root. Because we all want stuff. We all have things that we want right now. Now, let me ask you something. If someone was to offer you a brand new, fresh off the showroom Lamborghini, we're talking about a car that's worth over a million dollars. Who wouldn't take that, right? Not only because of its, its value, but what it represents. It is a, a source. It shows wealth. Because only the, the wealthy can possess it. It shows status and power. But you know, in reality, kind of aggravating. You know, they're, they're not real comfortable. You're, they're very, very expensive to maintain. They're not a very good family vehicle. They don't have very good cargo space. They're hard to drive in traffic. They're hard to see out of. Their list of complications that they would bring into your life far outreads anything good they bring. Many of us don't have the time nor the location to go take it to a track or somewhere where you could really utilize the power and handling abilities. It's no good as a, a daily driver. The insurance and just being able to protect it. Because you take something out like that, you can't leave it in the parking lot because people are going to be looking at it and taking pictures and wanting to lean all over it and, and it would just be a mess. But yet, no one would, would turn it away. We would want it. Maybe we would sell it, maybe we'd get rid of it, but how many of us would just hold on to it because just be able to say, look at what I have. Look what I got. We are being convinced that we have to do nothing but consume, consume, consume. It feeds in to the curse from the original fall. We had God that was providing everything that we need for us, and that got severed. And then now we have the, the fear that we're never going to have enough, never going to have enough, never going to have enough. And we're constantly looking for stuff. You know, um, Jesus was a carpenter. And so was, was Joseph, his earthly father. And I'm sure that he uh, worked with his father. He is one that showed him how to do these things. You know, in that time... Everyone had a trade. They had a skill set they could use. They could go out into the world and they could use that skill set to generate revenue, to generate trade, to be able to survive and provide and be able to get the things that they need. There was a desire to want 
to learn, to be able to do these things. But we see now that we are getting less and less. There's less mom and pop stores. There's less of what we refer to as the shade tree mechanic that would work on cars in his garage behind the house. There's less places that you can go and do small engine repair. There's less of the handyman. You know, these individuals that have skill sets that could go and do. There's less of these things being passed down to generation to generation. Because we live in a generation now, at a time now, that we want someone else to do it for us. We don't want to have to think. We don't want to have to act. We don't want to have to earn. We just want to consume. And look at how we are developing this attitude. We're going to talk about music. Music's been around for a long time. It was probably one of the original sources of entertainment. It was a way of passing down history and telling stories. Many of our nursery rhymes and, and children's songs were part of, of history. They were based upon an event in time, and that's how it was passed down through song. It was the way we spoke our feelings, the way we entertain. Music is a major part of our lives, and it's still everywhere. We walk into the store, it's playing in the overhead speakers. You know, since we had this thing called the automobile, shortly after they decided that we needed a radio in one of those. We have music in our phones, it comes through the satellite, it comes through our TV, it comes through the airwaves. We've gone through different technologies, records, eight tracks, cassettes, CDs, and now digital. We're constantly making it better and making it more accessible. And it's the one thing that really hasn't gone out of style. We've all grew up with it from hearing the lullabies as a baby to hearing the latest countdown on the radio. Music is a part of our lives, and we're comfortable with it. We never see it as a threat or anything more than what it is. And many times we just like to hear the beat and something that we can react to. And you ever notice that, that we take in, if you want to exercise, pump yourself up, you put on something fast. If you're feeling depressed, you put on something slow. If you have a breakup, there's breakup music. There's always a playlist and a soundtrack for all these moments in our lives. And there's no denying that it makes us feel a certain way. It influences our lives. And Satan knows that too. We see as a, a singer rises to fame, we see much change that happens in their persona, in their character and who they are, where they start to adapt and become part of 
not the world they left, but the world they are emerging themselves into. We see the, the women, they start out very, very conservative. And then at some point they want to, especially the ones that start young, they want to break that childlike persona. They want to show that they are an adult and they go drastically in the other way. We see in other forms that they have to, to make a, a presence and have to be strong and have to show how, how fierce they are and how mean. And because oftentimes there's conflict between two different parties that they, they put out there in words and the forms of songs against the other people. And we, we take it all in and we, we hear this. You know, even, even our contemporary Christian music, we have to be very careful. You know, we say, well, it's Christian music. It's fine. But be careful. Remember, the word tells us there are many false prophets. Do you know that there has been groups and individuals that came forward that say, hey, yes, I sing Christian music. I sing about God. But you know what? I don't believe. I do it for the paycheck. Just like there are pastors that are preaching that are doing the same thing. They are not speaking the, the, the word of God. They are just knowing what they should be saying, but not believing in their hearts what they're saying. So if they cannot be truthful to themselves and they cannot have a, the spirit of their God being their driving force, is it really so hard to believe that they'll just put anything out there? And remember... I hope you're picking up on this because if you're not walking in the light, you're walking in the darkness. And if you're not allowing God to use you, then Satan is going to take full advantage of it. But we see that we need to consume. That we need to have this and have that. And we need to have certain Names, Gucci, Prada, all these expensive brand names. We hear it time and time again. We hear about the expensive cars, the big mansions, the jewelry. You listen closely sometimes, it doesn't even make that much sense, and it just seems outright outlandish that they put these lyrics in just to prove their point. Look at my necklace, look at my hair, look at my bag, look at my car, look at my house. All these things. And they talk about how they rise up, how they didn't have these things. Now they have these things and so much different because of these things. Consumerism. We've got to have all this stuff. It's the stuff that makes us grand. But it's not. It's not. 
And we have people out there now, and this, these younger generations are coming up that have no reason or want to, or drive to want to work in any way. You know, God doesn't have a problem with you having things. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have provision. And God always gives in abundance. So if you're in need of a home, he don't have no problem giving you a bigger home more than you asked for. He don't have a problem giving you a better car. He don't have a problem giving you better things. But the thing is, he wants him to be your source. He wants him to be your priority. And everything else comes after. But this world keeps telling us that we need all these things. That this is what makes us grand. No, it is God that what makes us great. It is God which gives us the ability to have all these things. It is God that allows us to rise up. It is God that gives us the talent, the ability, the work ethic. All of these things comes from God. He is our source. He is our provision. Well, see, that message gets lost. And then when we do have someone that has a change of heart, whenever they, they realize that, hey, you know, I'm only here because of God. Then when they put out something reflecting that, they're, they're called crazy. The, the sales go down. The fame goes down. Because we don't want to give praise where praise is due, which is God. We have this real problem turning ourselves over to God and say, Okay, Lord, bless me. But we have no problem... Taking from others. Taking from the government. Right now, you can look out and you see help wanted signs everywhere. A lot of places are really short-handed. Because they're making it really hard. We have... The government, which has given so much out that people are choosing to stay home, to just receive what they can get for nothing rather than go out and, and work. We don't have a drive anymore to want to learn and to want to build things on our own. It used to be that that was part of the American dream. Not only having the house and the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids, but it was the what you put into it. It was a source of pride. It was a source of integrity. The fact is that you was able to, to work and to build and to do, and you played a part in your own success was just as important as the success. But now, if we can just get something for nothing, we call that a win. 
We don't care about our integrity anymore. We don't care about our pride. We don't care about ability. All we want is to consume and put nothing back. We have leaders that are standing up and saying, well, this system doesn't work anymore. Because we have so many people not succeeding. We have so many people not succeeding because they're not trying. They're not putting anything into it. The love of money is the root of evil. You can be just as happy with a Toyota Corolla as a Lamborghini. You can be just as happy with a, a double wide as a mansion. You can be just as happy carrying yourself around in a paper sack as you can a Gucci bag. Because happiness doesn't come from things. It comes from God. There's going to be a point when all this stuff we accumulate is going to be nothing. We ever watch some of these post-apocalyptic movies? There was a series they had on Discovery a long time ago, and it showed what the world would look like if there's no more people on it and how everything became overgrown. And within a short amount of time, nature just kind of took it over. That's our stuff. With, without us to be around it, to maintain it. If you ever had a house that you let sit dormant for a while, you'll start to see that. It'll start to have problems because it's not being lived in. If you don't run your car regularly, you'll start to see that the, the tires will dry rot, the hoses will crack, and the battery will go dead because it's not being used. The stuff we have is to enhance our lives and to... To make it easier, better. But we put so much emphasis on it that we cause the opposite effect. We drive ourselves in a, in a bad way. Why is it that we think that we have nothing to do? God put Adam in the garden to care for it, to tend to it. We are God's hands and feet. Nowhere in the Word does it say to be lazy. And it tells us to not let things have a hold of us. If we can get our priorities straight, if we can put God first, God at the head, and then follow with what he tells us, everything else will fall into place. We'll have everything we need. He tells us he wants to, to give us the desires of our hearts. But there's more to it than that. We have to have a heart that can receive it. We have to be able to receive 
what God has for us. And we're just not prepared. God always makes a place. He created the earth. He formed the garden. Then he put man in it. Jesus has went before us to prepare us a place in heaven. See the theme here? God prepares first. But we as humans, we want to have that opposite effect. We want all the stuff we can get now, gather it all up, and we'll work out the details later. That doesn't work. That's not God's way. Talked about the filter. We have to throw up that filter. Because, you know, we, can, we see these things and we want these things, but do we really need these things? Or is it really enhancing our lives in any way? And better yet, can we use it to further the kingdom of God? Can we use it to show how God blessed us? Because is God blessing with it, or are we doing whatever we can in our own power to make things happen? There's only one correct way to do it. Put on your God glasses this week. Look through the filter. Verse 